Finally, three of us. Finally, three of us. You and I and I. (laughs) (laughs) You you and I and him. (laughs) Ho, 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 (laughs) shit. It's the coin toss. That was good, dude. No, no, no. Keep running. (laughs) Yeah, keep it. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek. Heads or tails? I'm going tails. Real coin. And it's really tails. Uh, Give me the ball, please. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. We have the TLG Bowl upcoming this Thursday. That's Trey and Tarek's Cowboys versus John and my Titans. And John's not here (laughs) to corroborate that, so you know what? Lifelong Titans fan, John Alexander. (laughs) Lifelong. (laughs) Nebraska and Titans fan, famously. Famously. So, bearing that in mind, in Dynasty, who would you rather have, Tony Pollard or Traylon Burks, Tarek? Uh, Traylon Burks, yeah. Um, I, I, When you first asked the question, I was like, oh, this is going to be a hard one. And then it just hit me. Like, Traylon Burks, he's a first-round receiver. He's 22 years old. He's very good. Like, he has been very good when he's been healthy and when he's gotten the opportunity Tony Pollard, I really love. I really love the talent. Um, just give me Burks uh, the way I like to build my teams. It's around those young elite receivers that are they have elite value insulation. And what I've seen out of Traylon Burks gives me a lot of confidence in, in his ability to kind of become a potential wide receiver one in Dynasty. If you were a contender, does that change your mind? If I'm a contender like right now and I just advanced to the finals of my dynasty league and there's no trade deadline, then yes, I would trade Traylon Burks for Tony Pollard. All right. Squeeze that one out of you. Trey, how do you feel on this one? Or do I need to spice this one up? No, no need to spice it up. Well, I, I do agree with Tarek on both accounts. So yeah, actually, you may need to spice it up here. Uh, I have but, some spice. But I will say this. I, I think like there's a case to be made for Pollard here. Um, I think, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott and his contract situation. We don't know for sure if the Cowboys are bringing him back next season or if they let him walk, in which case I think Pollard, Pollard's value could explode over the offseason and we could see him being way, you know, more valued than Burks going into next year potentially. So that's like the only sort of counterpoint that I'll take because, you know, straight up give me uh, Burks as well. Or they let Pollard walk and he goes and signs to be the workhorse somewhere else. Yeah, true. Right. True. Yeah. Well, you know, Malik is also in the equation. So, you know, with Tannehill getting injured and there's been some talks of him playing his last game. But wow, we'll see, guys. Uh, the spice was going to be I was going to throw Malik Willis onto the Traylon Burke side and uh, Dak Prescott onto the other side. But. Uh, keep trade cut says Traylon, Malik, and Derrick Henry equal Pollard and Dak. Traylon, Burks, Malik Willis, and Derrick Henry for Pollard and Dak back in a super flex league. Yeah, I'll keep Pollard and Dak there because Dak Prescott is an elite super flex asset. Um, but it's close. Yeah, and I'm going to call no homer here, but I agree with Tark. I think uh, the Dak side and the Pollard side is just a little bit more sound. You're taking on a lot of risk acquiring Derrick Henry, but... Uh, and Malik Willis. And Malik. Well, I mean, Malik Willis isn't super expensive right now, but I don't have a ton of faith in him. 
uh, going forward. Um, I do like Burks, though. Uh, so it's close. I get it. So, Trey, you're essentially looking at that trade as Malik Willis and Derek Henry for Pollard and then or Malik Willis and Derek Henry for, for Dak. Dak and then Pollard for Burks or something like that. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down like that, I don't think that's enough. When back you break it Dak. down like that, yeah, it's the Cowboys. Yeah. It's the Cowboys side. And so what we're trying to say is the Cowboys are going to win on Thursday. And I think that's, uh, well, I think that's probably going to happen. So I think so too. it would be an embarrassment if they did not. Well, they did, they did so. just lose to Jacksonville. Uh, and Jacksonville did just beat Tennessee as well. So. Dude, we just lost to the Texans, man. So it's going to be a tie. It'll That's be a tie. The, That's right. Yeah. All right. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 78 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibinshuya. You can find me on Twitter at Angry Tarek. And with me today, two of my closest friends, Marles Yates at Marles in charge on Twitter and Trey Cryan at Trey Cryan on Twitter. Mitch, I threw in the Twitter handles there. That's marketing. How you doing, man? I'm great, and I'm glad that you switched it up to my God-given name, Mitch. Uh, well, I guess it's Mitchell if we're going to be real technical here. But I didn't actually. I purposefully said Marles Yates. I I never. I always say Mitch. I, I'm struggling to make the transition to Marles. You know what? I just wanted to be flashy and have a a persona. You know, a recognizable, <laughs> strong, uh, made up name, uh, you know, the, the Mitch Charles combination. Oh, is that what it's from? It's Mitch plus Charles. Oh, mm. shit. oh man. Ding, ding, ding. No, yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was German for Mitch, but uh, <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Big reveal. Anyway, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, I, I'm keeping it, keeping it chill here in Charleston. Uh, didn't want to travel in the bomb cyclone excitement, so yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys tried to traverse that. No, I stayed put. Uh, Trey, what's going on, man? Did how's how was your holidays, and did you stay put in Boston? Yeah, I also stayed put as well. We had a little bit of a uh, change of plans for the holidays this year because uh, my my family, who was going to come and stay with us for the week, uh, we ended up having a positive covid case uh, my brother tested positive right before he was supposed to get on the flight so Oops. we decided to cancel the trip and uh we'll find some time later in the year to to hang out but um that said it is the week between christmas and new year's so a very happy festivus to you both and to the listeners out there a very happy festivus and along with the holiday season it is fantasy finals week that's right so if you're in a redraft league, a dynasty league, a best ball league, a keeper league, whatever, you are likely heading into your fantasy finals as you listen to this. We're recording this before the Monday night football game between the Chargers and the Colts. So we have a couple of matchups outstanding here mm -hmm. um, on our little panel, um, but y'all listening Y'all already know what your what your fate is. So if you're advancing to your fantasy finals, congratulations. If you're not, uh, go ahead and start rebuilding 
and building towards 2023. And we at TLG are here to help you do that. So today on the show, we're going to be talking early offseason dynasty sells in the first half. And then in the second half, like we've been doing the last couple of shows, just a rapid fire assemblage of topics from semifinal week, week 16. So uh, with that being said, I think we can kick off this first half. What do y'all think? Let's do it. All right. So first half, like I said, early offseason sells. So want to talk about who these sells are, why those guys are a sell, and then, you know, maybe give some potential prices, actionable advice in case you're rostering these players and what you could get back for them. So Trey, let's start with you, my man. All right. Well, let me put down my eggnog here for a second and give you my first sell of the pod today. Uh, we talked about him a few weeks ago. It's George Pickens, wide receiver for the Steelers. You know, we just saw yesterday he had that late go-ahead touchdown to give Pittsburgh the win over Las Vegas. So the hype is still pretty high with him. I think there's still plenty of people who are believers. And, you know, I called him a sell a couple weeks ago. I'm going to stick by that today. But I do want to shout out a couple of things that he, you know, are positive signs for him. He is currently fourth in the league in average depth of target at 15.3 yards. Uh, he's got a really, that has, you know, helped bump up his air yard share. So he's at 26.3. So that's like, you know, just outside the top uh, 36 wide receivers. Not bad there. And he's, and like I said, a couple weeks ago, he's doing it on 433 routes run on the season. That was before the Vegas game, which is good for number 20 in the NFL. So he's already getting, you know, starter caliber wide receiver one usage uh, in that Pittsburgh offense. So all that said, his yards per route run is still under 1.5. It's 1.42 currently, which is outside the top 60 wide receivers in the NFL. And remember the 2.0 is sort of the cutoff that we look for as like a nice positive indicator. And I want to clarify something I said a couple of weeks ago. It's not necessarily the end of a guy's career. If he doesn't hit that 2.0 number, their rookie year. I mean, we saw Devonte Smith, other guys that have had rookie seasons that weren't that different than George Pickens, 1.42 yards per out run and go on to succeed. So it's not, you know, he's going to be a bust because he didn't hit this one metric, but it means we do need to look at other positive indicators here, like his PFF grade, his reception perception grade, that sort of thing to, you know, really understand, is he actually winning routes and he's going to take the next step when he gets some improved quarterback play, or are we just going to see sort of this cap ceiling with this guy going forward? So all that to say is I think because there's so much hype around him, because he has found the end zone a couple of times, because he's had a couple of nice like highlight catches, I do think he's overvalued right now. And I'm still selling based on what you can get for guys in that range, but I'm not like guaranteeing he's going to be a bust. I'm just more confident in the other pieces that you can get that are about that same value. Yeah, this is interesting to me because I, I I was with you last week when you mentioned I think George Pickens is a big sell right now, but then I kind of looked at what his price is, at least on Keep Trade Cut, which is kind of our market barometer week over week, and he's at wide receiver 18 right now. You know, he's 21 years old, so kind of like mid to low end wide receiver two value, very young. I mean, one thing we don't see very often is a rookie receiver, especially a second round pick. Maybe this is more common with first round picks, but second round pick that comes in and is a starter at the X receiver spot 
from day one, 91% route participation. Mm -hmm. This is not something that we see very often. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in your take on that because at wide receiver 18, and I haven't dived too deep into the players around him, but with that high route participation, a little bit less than desirable target share and yards per route run. But I feel like given his age and what he's shown on film with some of those spectacular catches, I don't think the price is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. And Mitch, sorry, one sec. No, you're um, good. I mean, I get what you're saying. And and that's where I think we need to get some more information from like the PFF grade, the reception perception. So I'm definitely very interested to see, you know, what some of those grades come out to when the season wraps up here. But I, I mean, because his value is so high, like wide receiver 18, there's a lot of moves in here that you could do that would essentially take out any risk that is associated with this sort of incomplete profile that we have with the guy you know, the incomplete prospect profile coming out of Georgia. And then, you know, the fact that he's not hitting some of these indicators, like the yards per run efficiency that, you know, we like to see. I'm kind of with you, Trey, but I can't ignore the the highlights. The There's just so many of them. And he just makes so many big plays that he's come in and usurped uh, the target king. Um, he came in and basically became the alpha in that offense over Deontay Johnson. And that's not true from a target share perspective. That's definitely not true. But as the alpha on that team, though, man, like what he, does he, alpha mean to you? It just means spectacular catches. Yeah, well, yeah, because I'm Deontay talking about Johnson is getting more targets than Pickens is for sure. OK, but you guys, I'm I'm talking about like that it that he's bringing and it's just it's, the X factor and and like it's just it's hard to ignore. And so I I'm with you, Trey, but there's just something on film that like is exciting about this guy that we noticed when he was coming into uh, sure into the draft. It was one of those things that you guys pushed me on that I had trouble explaining where I was like, this guy's just got stud, got star yeah. like there's just that 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 sparkle. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just not going to be upset to uh, acquire this guy. Okay, so by the way, Trey, I'll throw it back to you to kind of give us some guys that you would potentially sell George Pickens for, but just a quick input into your bank there. George Pickens' current receiving grade on PFF, 67.7. So we generally probably like to see them get above 70, and then the elite level is going to be above 80. But 67.7, so kind of average on the PFF scale right now. But Trey, you, George Pickens is a sell. What kind of deals are you looking to make if you still roster this guy? Yeah, I mean, so I so to Mitch's point there, I mean, what's the the upside here is a week-in, week-out, wide receiver one starter, right? So like that's what we're chasing with Pickens. And you can package Pickens with an early 23 second rounder to get CD Lamb right now on keep trade cut. So that's essentially like taking out any risk with his development. And I, I just mentioned all the reasons why there's there's risk associated with Pickens. Like that eliminates situation, that eliminates development. And that gives you a a week in, week out starter who's maybe like a year or two older. My gut reaction to that, Trey, and I try not to lean on this, is that that's probably not going to happen, like the hashtag not in my league. So <laughs> let me push you. Would you do George Pickens and a projected back half 23 first for CD Lamb? I, I mean, I think I would. Yeah, because it's you're taking yeah, out. I think all, I would. Too. You're taking out all of that risk associated with Pickens and, and his develop. And, and you're, you're guaranteeing yourself like a, essentially a top six receiver every week. So 
Another one that's similar lines here is Pickens plus a guy like Fournette, you know, somewhere in that like mid to late second range for Chris Olave. You know, Olave is like currently valued as like wide receiver 10 on keep trade cut. Like he should be closer to the top six. Um, yeah, we've said it multiple times. He's going to get up into the top five yeah. in the offseason, like guaranteed. Because also having a fantastic rookie year, but he's like smashing these efficiency numbers, whereas Pickens, you know, he's running a lot of routes, but he's not you know putting up the same level of production. So I, I like those deals. I like some other rookie wide receivers in that range better. Uh, we already talked about Traylon Burks, who I liked better during the draft. We've talked about Christian Watson, who's been an efficiency king in sort of limited usage in uh, in Green Bay, and even a guy like Tony Pollard, who we talked about on the um, on the coin toss. Like I think, given team construction and for you know some of the things around Pollard that could go his way this offseason, I kind of like the upside there more than the risk that you're taking on with George Pickens, Mitch. What do you think? Because Christian Watson is like a borderline reputation player for you. So George Pickens or Christian Watson? That's real tough. That's real tough. Um, I, I don't want to abandon my guy Watson, so I'll stick to him here. But it's very close. Okay. Yeah. And Keep Trade Cut says you can get that done very easily. Sell George Pickens for Christian Watson. All right, Mitch. Let's move on to your first early offseason dynasty sell. All right. Uh, I think that you guys should sell James Cook. He is running back 41 in October, and uh, he's actually climbed up to running back 28 right now. And uh, it could go even higher if he starts to string a couple more attractive fantasy outings together. Yeah. Also, Mitch, I'll jump in there. Yeah. Even if he like kind of does what he's been doing for the last couple of weeks, I foresee a situation in which no matter what, his value is probably going to go up a little bit. Definitely. As people digest the situation, et cetera. So I think his value is going to climb up further from running back 28. But sorry for cutting you Oh, off. you're good. You're good. But from what I've seen on tape, like from a talent perspective, I'm just no longer into him as a, as a prospect. He's not as fast as he looked in college. He's not as decisive. And he's really not as useful in the passing game as I thought he would be. And uh, player profiler actually has him at number six in yards per touch at 6.1 and number one in breakaway run rate at 11.6. And I'm thinking that's actually going to uh, help you make this sale because those numbers are pretty fraudulent if you look at how he's actually played. And I'm going to credit this to some of that small sample size as well. I mean, he's getting a 35% snap share and he's averaging three targets a game. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm just not seeing him as a very involved player in this backfield and so to that backfield the situation uh the bills red zone running back is josh allen and there's the committee led by singletary and they traded for naeem so i think a full off season with naeem it's just gonna it's gonna be a mess for our guy james cook and so like i said he's playing pretty good right now fantasy wise um but that number is i don't think that's real that's an interesting situational point. Naheem Hines got a little bit of an extension from the Colts, so he's definitely going to be around. I believe Devin Singletary's deal is expiring, so that'll kind of be something to watch in terms of James Cook's like opportunity share projected moving forward. But Trey, what do you think about this? James Cook a sell at about running back 28 on keep trade cut. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say a guy who's, top six in yards per touch and number one in breakaway run rate, you know, is a, a strong sell. Um, cause those are some pretty 
powerful efficiency numbers for a, a running back, especially for a rookie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of like he's not getting the usage now. Do you think that it's like a Tony Pollard situation where if he did start seeing the field more that he would remain this efficient or, you know, given increased usage if we expect that to fall off. So I, I feel like Tony Pollard though, to Mitch's point, like Tony Pollard, ever since his rookie year, when you saw him, you could not miss Tony Pollard, right? And I don't feel like it's the same for James Cook. James right? Cook's getting gobbled up by guys he shouldn't get tackled by. He just he just doesn't he doesn't look good. And I'm I'm just I'm calling that now and I'm just saying it's it's time to get out, especially as his uh his stock is rising. Yeah, I and I get it. I mean I haven't, you know, done the the tape analysis or or what have you, but um, at running back 28, I, I don't really hate the price, but if it goes up much higher than that, then you're building in a lot of projection, um, you know, for the, I mean, essentially this running back 28 ranking, this is about where he was going like back in startups yeah, like, during, preseason. Like, his rookie draft yeah. period. Right. So, yeah. So he's kind of crept up to that level. All right, Mitch. So what are some guys or, you know, picks that range, what would you sell James Cook for? So according to Keep Trade Cut, you can get Mike Evans straight up, which I would do in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, I would do that. You could know, package... <laughs> <laughs> Mike Evans has been really dog shit this year. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I want to like bet on like a 30-year-old in Dynasty like bouncing back after having the year he just had. Mike Evans is never going to die, man. I mean, yeah, it's watching that game yesterday uh the buccaneers uh who were they playing again some team they should have beaten really handily the cardinals, the cardinals. arizona yeah yeah they were they were playing the cardinals and it just seemed like every single play they were targeting chris godwin so i kind of hear what you're saying there trey i think mike evans is very good um so i would do that but i appreciate you kind of being like i don't know guys because yeah Tom Brady really loves him some Chris Godwin. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, James Cook for Mike Evans. That's what just, else, Mitch? That range is just kind of the example, though. Uh, yeah, You could package James Cook with a two to move up into the first in the upcoming draft. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, um, you good. could package him with a third rounder to get Kamara. Um, you could... That's maybe, great. Yeah. Maybe, I love that. Yeah, I love maybe that. Tack on a second rounder to go get Dalvin as Dalvin gets older. Um, I mean, I love that. Yeah, I, he's not like he's not dead in the market. Like I, there are people believing in his path to the starting running back, and I really just i i don't i don't see that path. And I liked the i like the current value. I like what you can get. So I think he's. We're talking immediate sells in the offseason. So this guy just really fits that category for me. I like the Camara deal maybe the most. Yeah, I feel like I buy what you're saying, Mitch, and that I feel like he's going to be a very liquid player on the market in the early offseason because they're going to see people are going to see his role kind of growing throughout the year. They're going to see, you know, what team he's on and they're going to be tantalized by that upside for that role growing in this he's second got the year name too. And he's got the name and that's obviously not a guarantee that that's going to happen. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think his, his price isn't out of whack too much right now, 
but I, I can see it really getting there in the early offseason. I think he's going to be a liquid asset. So I'm into it. All right. Let's move on to my first dynasty sell in the early offseason. And that's going to be Jalen Waddle. And I'm going to duck here because Jalen Waddle is amazing and everybody loves him. But this is not a function of me underrating the talent of Jalen Waddle. I think he's great. He's 24 years old, just turned 24. He'll be going into his third year in 2023, and he's top 10 in receiving yards as well as yards after the catch. His average depth of target has exactly doubled from his rookie to his sophomore year. It was a really terrible 6.3 in his rookie year. Now it's very respectable at 12.6. These are all really good things for the former first-round pick. And where I have Jalen Waddle in my dynasty leagues, I'm very happy that I bought him last offseason. He's been great for me in those leagues. I just think Tyreek Hill is better. And the 22 to 24% target share that we're seeing from Waddle is probably right around where his ceiling is as long as Tyreek Hill is there alphaing it up and getting that 30%. You know, I'll get into what I would sell Jalen Waddle here in a bit. But I'll leave y'all with this question that I want you to respond to. Why should Jalen Waddle be valued so much higher than his Alabama teammate in Philadelphia, Devontae Smith? I guess he shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. They, <laughs> they, both, they both have a 30% alpha on their team. They're both in great offenses with really good strong head coaches. They're both about a 22 to 24% target share guy, both first round picks yet Devonte Smith, more like a borderline wide receiver, one wide receiver, 13, 14 Jalen Waddle, no brainer, top five wide receiver in dynasty. I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I said this exact sentence back when we were talking about Devonte Smith over the off season as a reason that you should go get Devonte Smith because he was undervalued. Uh, so I think I still believe in this as well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Waddle, the has not put up enough this year to kind of convince you that he is like, a can't miss wide receiver one going into next season, even though he has had his pop weeks here and there. I think what's incredible, just looking at what Waddle has done this year, you mentioned the 12.6 average depth of target. Isn't he averaging like 18 yards per catch or something? Oh yeah, like I mean, the yards after catch. Yeah, are, like an insane, crazy. like five and a half yards after the catch. But a lot like, of those big catch touchdowns, a lot of those big touchdowns, and you know this is this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. It's like wide open, broken plays where maybe there was a pick or something like the the eighty four yard touchdown that he had yesterday in that game. It was like he was just wide open and he ran for 84 yards and a touchdown. And that's happened multiple times. And that's because Mike McDaniel is an amazing coach, but I'm, I'm just saying like, I don't know if it's all because of Jalen Waddle is like a top five receiver in dynasty. Well, I just think Tyree kills better. Yeah. And, and I think what I'm trying to get at here is this Shanahan San Francisco system that is now in Miami. Like, it's built around yards after the catch, you know, and and you can have a 22, 24% target share guy who can still give you those pop weeks because there's so many of those opportunities for him to, you know, get separation, wide open looks down the field, and then go and bust off a big play. So, but I get it. I think there's more consistent bets for where he's currently valued right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, you know, Waddle's a baller. And if you want to hang on to him for your dynasty squad, like go for it. So yeah, guys, let me get in here. 
First of all, Jalen Waddle is an absolute beast off the ball. He is incredible at getting open. And a lot of these like runs to the goal line, these 80-yard runs, are because he's just gotten so open. And yeah, sure, some of that's got to be scheming. But, I mean, somebody's got to finish it. And I think a lot of people are looking at Jalen Waddle as like just young Tyreek. And because Tyreek is just so good, they expect him to just be that because they're getting the years back. And I guess Devonta, you know, I, I don't think that Devonta ever looks like he's going to be A.J. Brown. They're just such different style right. of wide receiver. Yeah. And so, like, Jalen can play the the Tyreek role. I mean, he's not as fast, but, like, they're both very similar receivers that blend well with each other. And so... I, I don't think he's as fast. I don't think he's as physical as Tyreek Hill at the catch point. And I don't think he's as good of a route runner as Tyreek Hill. So I will push back on that a little bit. But I, I hear what you're saying. Like, they're both very fast. They're both ballers. I just think Tyreek Hill is better. And he's going to be the 28 to 30% target share guy in that offense. So it's maybe this is more of a Devontae Smith take. I don't know. But I, I just feel like. He's a little bit overvalued and what you can get back for him. Like he's ahead of Kyler Murray in the ranks right now. He's ahead of Garrett Wilson. I prefer Garrett Wilson straight up because I think he is the alpha in his offense with the Jets. Yes, it's a worse offense, but situations change. I think you can get Garrett Wilson and a third. I would take Brees Hall over him. I would take the aforementioned Devontae Smith in a second you know, I would trade him for the 101 so I could get Bijan Robinson, etc. Like these are these are trades that you can make per trade keep trade cut, and I would do it. But I don't know. What do y'all think? I, I actually agree with pretty much all of these. The only one I kind of have a problem with is the Garrett Wilson uh, deal. I think like going into next year, it is guaranteed that this is a better situation you know, for fantasy points than the Jets is. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to pick one or the other, give me Waddle, but all the others with, I think, are are clear in favor of uh, of the sell here. I'd probably cool it on Kyler, but I think that's another topic as he kind of recovers, you know? Yeah. yeah. Kyler Murray is going to be a tough evaluation all offseason. Like, early indications are it's going to, it was a very easy repair and it could be like a six-month recovery, but we never know, so... Yeah, I just think when you have an opportunity to buy like a clear elite quarterback in Superflex for a receiver, um, even a receiver like Jalen Waddell, I, I do it. But all right, Trey, let's move on to your second dynasty sell of the early offseason. All right, I've got another rookie wide receiver here, uh, Jahan Dotson for the Washington Commies. Uh, this is just a really similar discussion that we just had about George Pickens, but I think it's even more extreme in the case here of Jahan Dotson. Currently, he's being valued as the wide receiver 27 on keep trade cut. And I think a lot of that has to do with his nose for the end zone. Like we've seen him have the touchdowns week in week out he's had a couple of like multi-touchdown games his touchdown rate on the year before this last game is actually 24 percent, which is insanely high and and definitely unsustainable so this is like a prime touchdown regression candidate if you look at his actual fantasy points per game scored he's at 10.5 his expected fantasy points per game is 7.7 so it's nearly three additional points per game scored over expectation his expected fantasy uh, points 
per game outside the top 70 wide receivers. So his usage really is not anywhere close to what we've seen with the the touchdown rate here. And again, I want to call out his yards per route run because this is what we look for for rookies. Currently at 1.24. So that's significantly worse than Pickens, and it's significantly worse than the 2.0 yards per route run measure, which we look for for these rookies. So for what you can get at, as a wide receiver 27, like this is a prime sell candidate to me. You're you're going to be essentially selling off all of these touchdowns that he scored this year. Trey, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Wide, rec- wide receiver 27 is just too damn high. And he does have a nose for the end zone. And I, you know, I, there's something to be said about it. But if you removed his touchdowns, he would have had a miserable season. So, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm with you, bud. And, and let me just add on to that because it wasn't like he came into the league as supposed to be this like red zone machine. Like we kind of looked at him as like a body control, you know, uh, craftsman, kind of like in the Tyler Lockett mold. Like this is, we didn't expect him to turn into Mike Evans, you know, his rookie season, like with the 24% touchdown rate. So, I mean, it's just like, it's hard to believe that this is sustainable for a guy who's like kind of like with his archetype, how we expect him to win at the pro level, you know? I, I will say his hands. I mean, that was the thing that we liked the the best about him when he entered the league was his hands and his ability to make like a an incredible catch, like a diving spectacular catch. And even though it made his like normal catches look like that. I mean, that that's just how he plays. And so, yeah, Mitch, I remember your line for him in the off season was he makes the easy plays look hard and the hard plays look impossible. <laughs> so that, that was a good line that stuck with me. Uh, Trey, I don't have, I didn't have much of a take here before looking at keep trade cut and my God, he is a sell. So let me just throw it back to you. What are some, you know, players or picks that you would sell Jahan Dotson for? Because I bet I have like 10 more. Yeah. I mean, the two obvious ones to me, he's going at the same price as like a late 24 first right now. So a future first, uh, which is essentially like right at about what his price was during rookie drafts. So you're essentially giving yourself the chance to cash out and re-roll. So I like selling him for a future first. Uh, I Even better, you could trade him for Hollywood Brown straight up who is a target share king in Arizona and probably still undervalued despite, you know, the year that he had uh, before the injury. Yeah. A little bit above his range. So maybe add like a throw in like a Josh Palmer or something, Derek Henry, uh, Michael Pittman, the alpha king in his offense, Terry McLaurin, but behind him, like you said, the 2024 first JK Dobbins, Dalvin Cook, DJ Moore. What? Stupid. This is what happens when you score a bunch of touchdowns, man, because like he is giving people <laughs> usable flex weeks as a fantasy starter, as a rookie. Dallas Goddard, George Kittle. <laughs> I'm telling what? you, I'm telling you, like he's giving people usable fantasy weeks as a starter. And this touchdown rate is just unsustainable. He's t- over 20%. That's not going to uh, hold up next year. I'm upset. Mitch, <laughs> what's your next dynasty sell? Sell oh. Jahan Dotson. Yeah. That's stupid. All right. Next. You know who else you should sell is is Tony Pollard. And 
I don't hate him. I, I actually really, really like him, and I'm excited for when the season ends and the trade deadline opens back up because it's time to profit. Uh, Pollard is good. Running back 12 on keep trade cut, number 8 in points per game, number 6 running back overall, and he's in the top 10 of most advanced metrics that matter. He's number 12 in receiving yards. Like He, he can do everything really well. Uh, the The floor has been really high, so... I don't think it's going to be difficult to deal him to a contender. And I think he's a sell for a couple reasons. And the uh, main reason, uh, I don't know if there's a next step. Uh, I think this is probably as good as it gets for Pollard. Like, he thrives in this 50-50 split with Zeke. And I don't know if becoming a bell cow is even in the cards or in his best interest. So yeah. I think the best case scenario is that he repeats the same level of production next year, but I, I think most likely it's going to drop off a little bit. And so his price right now, it, it allows you to re-roll for that elite talent and get years back. Um, I, I don't know if we want to go into who I'd do that. Yeah, for. let's pa- let's pause yeah. there. Let's just have a conversation about your evaluation of Pollard in his situation. So what you're saying is he's good. I think he's doing really well, but I think this is his ceiling and you're kind of paying for his ceiling at this point. Trey, what do you think about that? So my argument with Pollard has been there is the opportunity here for big upside just in a situation. And it's because of the contract situation for him and for Zeke, right? Like it's not a sure thing that, you know, Pollard and Zeke are going to be splitting the Cowboys backfield next year. And so we talked about this already, right? Like if Zeke is leaves and goes elsewhere, that's a big increase in opportunity for Pollard. Or if Pollard leaves and goes elsewhere, then that's potentially a better situation as well. So there's just a couple of things that, you know, we have no control over, which are just automatically going to bump up his, his price. And I think we could probably say are, I don't know, 50, 50 chances at worst, right. Uh, of one of these things happening next year. So even then, even if everything is exactly the same, like he's number eight in points per game, right? So like, it's hard to say that like, that's unsustainable based on how he's used. Like he's essentially used as like the Camara light, you know, going back to the conversation from last week in this offense, right? Like he, so I don't know. He's, he, you're, I, I think there's a strong argument to say with more opportunities, the efficiency will go down, but you know, we also are just chasing opportunities out there. And we think that, you know, okay, more opportunities just means there's a higher chance he's going to give you an RB1 season again next season. Yeah, Mitch. So I feel like the the possible scenarios are they cut Zeke and give more opportunity to Pollard. I don't I I do not think that's going to happen. They're going to ride Zeke into the ground. That's my personal opinion. But that's one. The other is that they kind of run it back with Pollard and Zeke. Scenario number three is he goes to a better situation elsewhere. Scenario number four is he goes to a worse situation elsewhere. So kind of taking the median outcome of all four of those situations, when three of the four of those situations seem pretty good, why are you still selling, I guess? Because we're still selling high here. And mm-hmm. and like I said, I, I think that he's reached the the ceiling of, of what he can do, and it and it's great. And uh, I'm just like, I've I keep trade cut, for example, says I can get Javante Williams for for Pollard. And I, I'm, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. I, I'm taking that. Trey, you're shaking your head. I don't know, man. The guy coming off a massive knee injury, like 
who's never been a, a starter like in the NFL over Go, the, going the, to a apparently really decrepit offensive situation. Yeah, with versus Wilson. like the RB eight in points per game on the season. Like, why would you take on that risk if you don't have to? Yeah, I mean you're you're buying three or four years. That's one part of it. Okay, that's you're buying the workhorse upside, right? But straight up, though, I mean, that's you're not you're giving up like a sure thing for years back. So I, I guess that's the trade off. Okay. Jo- okay. Javante Williams, me and Mitch would do that. Trey <laughs> probably would not. I think what I else? Would need Mitch? A, I would need a piece on top. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can re roll on a 2023 first round pick and I probably get into the, the mid there. Uh, you could trade Pollard and a mid to late first round pick to go up and get Bijan. What do you think there? Pollard in a late 2023 first for Bijan Robinson. Trey, bail me out here. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think for for name recognition alone, it, it like, yeah, you're not going to lose on that trade at least early in the offseason. No, and I'm I'm okay with these deals if you're getting like draft picks back because I think you're giving yourself a chance for like the value to really really significantly go up. You know, this is one of those things where it's like you've got an RB one going into next year. He's probably going to be like a second, third round pick if nothing changes at this point, like for redraft leagues. So I, I, I'm okay with the redraft or with the the draft pick trades just because you're giving yourself a chance to really add some additional value on top. Yeah, I also see like in this neighborhood for him, uh, Mitch, you wrote down DeAndre Swift. That was just for you guys. I I, I mean, <laughs> it's like that's tough because like DeAndre Swift's seemingly his ceiling outcome with you know, Jamal Williams in the lineup is about Tony Pollard, right? Like similar role. So yeah, um, obviously higher pedigree, a little bit younger, but um, yeah, I mean, if I'm in the position where I have Tony Pollard and I can get DeAndre Swift, I'm going to do it because I'm a DeAndre Swift stan. But uh, yeah, I think there's a very firm argument for Tony Pollard on the other side. All right, uh, let's close out the first half with my second dynasty sell of the early offseason. I hope this is going to be a little bit less controversial than uh, Tony Pollard, but (laughs) Isaiah Pacheco. So running back for the Chiefs, great story here. Seventh round pick out of Rutgers. He was the fastest running back at the combine. I think he was tied for the fastest time. He makes the active roster as a seventh round pick, which is already great. Right. He starts stealing work from... Clyde Edwards-Alaire early in the season, and now with Alaire hurt, he's the co-starter essentially with Jarek McKinnon down the stretch of the regular season. We'll see what unfolds in the playoffs. You know, in your rookie drafts preseason, he went into that late third to fourth round pick. Actually kind of a an, an undrafted free agent in a lot of my dynasty leagues. I got him with Fab in multiple leagues. But, you know, just looking at Isaiah Pacheco, To my eyes, you know, in my amateur film evaluator eyes, I think he's an average running back that's doing an average job with the very elite role that he has been given by Andy Reid. Add to that, you know, that seventh round pedigree, and I think you get an extremely replaceable running back that I feel pretty confident will be replaced in the next calendar year. And he's at running back 25 on keep trade cut. And at that value, it's a pretty easy decision to shop him around where I still roster him, which is not very many places. Yeah, it's hard to argue with uh, with you on this one, Tarek. Uh, I 
pretty much am standing firm with you. There's just the one aspect of his game, and that is of him being extremely fast. Is he's if, fast? Is is if he were to ever put it together, which is and it's possible, you know, then that person would have bought a cheap lotto ticket. So he still has that lotto ticket potential, but I'm the odds aren't great. But I can see the appeal. Uh, just hanging on to him at the end of your roster. But, yeah, I, I think at the price given, he's a sell. Yeah, Trey, Chris Harris, our favorite film evaluator outside of Mr. Mitch Yates, he has called uh, Isaiah Pacheco typewriter feet. Like, he's fast when he hits the hole, but he kind of, like, pitter-patters around before he does. So, to Mitch's point, maybe if he puts it together and he figures out how to not have typewriter feet, uh, he could be something. But what do you think, Trey? Yeah, so... He, he, you should be selling these late round running backs like this uh, when they get up into this range. So if you're able to cash out on a seventh round rookie running back, then, you know, by all means do it and just take the profit. Uh, it's interesting because you said he's going at running back 25 right now and keep trade cut. That's three slots right before James Cook, uh, who we already talked about. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I'll I'll take James Cook. Yeah, sure. I mean, just with the pedigree alone, the draft capital, like that's, I, I would take Pacheco. No, interesting. You're you're gonna take a lot of <laughs> lack of value insulation with Pacheco then. <laughs> yeah, but, that's interesting. I think uh, I, why would you take Pacheco? You just think he's better. Well, first of all, I, I wouldn't make the trade. It is a okay. lateral move that I wouldn't do. But if we're if we're gonna talk we'll about say it's a startup draft, splitting your hairs again, probably avoiding. But you know, <laughs> sell if, both if, of them. If, okay. you're, if you're really push, yeah, yeah, I would take it if we're splitting hairs. Yeah. Okay. Well, per keep trade cut. You know, other than James Cook in his range, some guys that I would definitely 110% trade Isaiah Pacheco away from Calvin Ridley uh, on the Jags now poised to come back next year, probably be the wide receiver one for Trevor Lawrence. Mike Evans, we talked about him before. I don't know how Trey feels about that one. A couple of quarterbacks in his range as well in Superflex, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. I would definitely trade Isaiah Pacheco for all of the above. There's also tight ends like David Njoku and Greg Sweet Milk Dulcich that are behind him on Keep Trade Cut. You can also get a 2023 second according to that ranking service. So I just threw a lot of you know guys and assets out at y'all. What do y'all think? I like it. I like them all. I like Ridley and the tight ends the most. I yeah, think. big yes on the tight ends for me too. Uh, the only no I got is Gino, just okay uh, because he's becoming what we he's thought kind of falling off. Yeah, might yeah. happen to Gino, and there, there's no there's no job security there right now. So Daniel Jones, big yes though. All right, sounds good. All right, we are 48 minutes into this podcast, Ooh. and we're stretching our legs. I like it, man. The first time in a while that we've had three people. But with that being said, Mike fucking check. It is halftime. All right. And as a periodic reminder to our listeners and maybe some new listeners, each week during our halftime segment, each host picks a game against the spread for the upcoming slate. And I place a parlay in Illinois on those four game lines. You only need to hit two parlays per season for profitability. And we have achieved that mark both years of TLG's existence. We were two and two this past week. My boys, a few more weeks to hit one more, get into that Christmas bonus territory. Trey, 
What is your week 17 pick against the spread? All right. So week 17, my lock of the week is going to be the Giants as three and a half point favorites at home against the Indianapolis Colts. The Giants right now are fighting for a wild card spot to make it into the NFC playoffs. And the Colts have been mathematically eliminated. Uh, we have not seen, you know, this Colts game against uh, the Chargers on Monday Night Football yet, but I'm thinking the Chargers are probably going to win and this line's going to move in my direction <laughs> after today. So <laughs> I like locking it in at three and a half. I think the Giants are just a much better team and they're playing at home. This line should probably be closer to minus seven. So lock it in. Oh, yeah, Trey. The Chargers are going to win tonight, and Gerald Everett's going to score three touchdowns. Lock that in, too. No, and you'll, uh, and you'll make your uh, your championship final there? I sure will. Nice, but, dude. Good luck. Uh, but, yeah, parlay. I got the Eagles minus six and a half at home against Randy Dalton and the Saints. Uh, the bye week is still on the line for the Birds. I think the Saints get crushed. I think they lose by double digits. Uh, but a fun little nugget, the Eagles actually own the Saints' first-round draft pick. And currently, that's the 10th pick overall. So I know that they want it just a little bit more. So they're going to have to be absolute fucking buffoons to mess this one up. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be Gardner Minshew. But apparently, because of the buy, because of the draft pick, Jalen Hurts is like very much pushing to play um, for this game. So that could, you know, even more benefit here. I mean, Eagles by a touchdown against the Saints. I, I like it, man. Smash. And and to that point, uh, I'm going to go with another favorite here. San Francisco minus five and a half at the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm riding my man Trey Cryan's coattails here on this pick from last week. San Francisco just took care of Washington at FedEx Field very easily. I think Las Vegas is probably a worse overall team than the Commanders. And we took seven and a half points on that spread last week. Now we get five and a half against the Raiders back uh, kind of near the West Coast in Vegas. Rocked up Brock, baby. He can go all night. Only thing I think I'm nitpicking there is uh, San Francisco just uh, smashed Washington at home. But uh, nah, dude, you're, you're good. Oh, you're good. And defense travels bad. well, uh, especially the Niners D. San Francisco's good, man. They're really freaking good. And the Raiders are, well... The Raiders. <laughs> well, I sound like an idiot now, but, you know, they weren't at FedEx Field. They were at uh, not Candlestick, but they're Santa Clara. Santa whatever Clara, that's right. An hour right. from Sandy Fran. <laughs> Anyways, San Francisco minus five and a half. Going to kill it. John going with our fourth favorite of the week. So this is two weeks in a row where we're betting on four favorites. It's almost like we know who the good teams are now. Jacksonville minus four at the Houston Texans. Mitch, what do you think about that? I, this is your division. I, I hate, I hate everything. Uh, the Titans are just, just awful losing to this Texans team, and the Texans and the Jags are, are in control of the, their destiny. The now. Texans are really bad, and the the Jags are really hot right now. This is a this is a smash pick, and uh, go Jaguars! Go All Jaguars. right, so quick recap. For halftime week 17, Trey's got the New York Giants minus three and a half at home against Indianapolis. Mitch going with another NFC East team, the Eagles minus six and a half at home against the Saints. I'm going with San Francisco minus five and a half at the Las Vegas Raiders. John closing us out with our fourth favorite of the week. 
Jacksonville minus four at the Houston Texans. All right, guys, let's kick off the second half talking about week 16 headlines, topics, really anything we felt like talking about. So you know what? We just talked about the Jaguars. So I'm going to skip ahead on our show doc a little bit. The Trevor Lawrence breakout. It is in full swing, boys. He is a quarterback one in his second year as a pro. 66% completion percentage, seven yards per attempt. He's got a PFF passing grade of 73.2. That's good for top 15 in the league. He's doubled his passing touchdown output from last year with a few games left to go. Added solid production on the ground, including four touchdowns. We know he can use his legs. Trevor Lawrence had a horrible horrible rookie year was just so bad in his rookie year but now he looks like that prospect that was promised so my open question here is what can we learn from this and should we kind of guardrail our evaluations of rookie passers moving forward Trey this is something you've talked about you know we have Trevor Lawrence but on the other hand we have Zach Wilson but then we have Justin Fields but on the other hand Mac Jones so I want to have a dialogue here. What what do we do with this information that we're getting from Trevor Lawrence breakout year? Yeah. So first off, the breakout definitely in full swing. Uh, don't know if you guys sat and watched the Thursday night game of him uh, at the Jets. Every second. <laughs> but it was a good one. And uh, definitely reminded me a lot of uh, Andrew Luck, who was the quarterback that he, he was comp to a couple of times during the uh, rookie eval process. So I see it. You know, he's he's looking like he's making smart decisions out there. He's getting the ball to the receivers, hitting him in stride, like doing what he does. And then on top of that, getting it done with his legs, like getting himself out of trouble when he needs to and scrambling for first down. So it's cool to see. I think that learning here is don't overreact to rookie year quarterback performances, even when they're really bad, like Trevor Lawrence's, and even when they're really bad, like Zach Wilson's, right? Like, I think what a bad rookie year for a quarterback should tell us is, okay, there's now more risk involved with this player, right? Because if things continue to go south, then they're losing all that value insulation that they had going into their rookie year. But there was never any reason to be panicked selling Trevor Lawrence below like, I don't know, QB 13 since he entered the league, even with how bad his year was as a rookie. The other example here is Zach Wilson Let's talk a little bit. I mean, like go back to the rookie eval process on both of these guys. Nobody would have given you a hard time about having Trevor Wilson or Trevor Lawrence as your number one quarterback, even though some of us did like Fields or Lance better for for fantasy because of the rushing upside. But not a single one of us was putting Zach Wilson ahead of those three other guys. And, you know, some of us had Wilson below Mac Jones, not me, but, you know, there were there were analysts out there. So, I mean remind yourself of that, that like sometimes these pre-draft profiles that we build on these prospects, like we should hang on to those a little bit longer going into their uh, sophomore years, especially when we see, you know, nothing that really separates them on film their rookie year. Trey, exactly that. Hold on to some of, or I mean, most of your pre-draft process here, because we saw in Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, there was some obvious disconnect with uh, the scheme. And mm -hmm. like it, it just because this is the easy answer doesn't mean it's the wrong answer. Um, the coaching was a fucking problem there in Jacksonville his rookie year. It was an it was an absolute disaster. We, we all saw that coming. And so like you we 
we all said it. We ha- we did. We had to have a mulligan, and we did hold Trevor Lawrence in high esteem because of our pre-draft uh, evaluation, and that's really like helping, especially the people that held on. So it, it's really nice to see his game evolve like this, and yeah. you got to feel really good about him. Um, but yeah, Zach Wilson, like you, you also saw his rookie year, him just like not reading anything and throwing the ball as hard as he could. And, you know, I think maybe in hindsight, we should have seen a little bit more of him. Uh, John certainly saw Zach Wilson not being very good coming, (laughs) but yeah, you're right. Um, we did have him as our fourth or fifth quarterback going into the draft process and that's not good. Yeah. I think I've, heard a couple of people say at least like some of the pff data guys that in terms of evaluating rookie quarterbacks really the only stat that you can potentially rely on a little bit for stickiness is like clean pocket grades and clean pocket accuracy rating Uh, i don't have that in front of me for zach wilson versus trevor lawrence right now but i agree with you in the broad scale, right? We can't take too much away from a rookie passer's uh, season in terms of their stats. But it'll one thing I definitely want to look into more this offseason is kind of comparing that, you know, clean pocket versus pressured percentages and kind of historically, you know, kind of how that pans out uh, for different prospects and and see if we can kind of add that into our evaluations. Because obviously we want to take away something, right? We don't want to just give a complete like carte blanche to rookie quarterbacks. I understand that wanting to be, you know, temperate, but I want to be able to make some kind of call. Right. And this is because partially, you know, I think I faded Trevor Lawrence too much after his rookie year. Right. right? So I want to sharpen my process a little bit. You know, I sold Trevor Lawrence and a couple of firsts to get Justin Herbert on my TLG team. Uh, our podcast show league and that looks horrible now you know but so i honestly asked this question because like i want to get better at this so i think this is going to be you know something that we talk about as we get into the bryce youngs and the cj strouds and the will levises etc anthony richardson for the 2023 class well and it's it's a little bit tough from a process perspective because we don't now have a direct comp for 2022 right because the first quarterback yeah. taken kenny pickett was like pick number 20 so after mac jones went the, the qb5 a year before right so um that said we don't really get to yeah we have know, a we have a gap in our a gap in, in the analysis here, right yeah. um but on top of that, you know, one of the ways I'm going to approach it is just thinking about the risk versus reward here, right? Like what's the downside versus the upside on these guys? And like the upside for Trevor Lawrence never went down, right? It was just, it be, he became riskier after yeah. seeing that um, rookie year, like go as poorly as it did, right? And I think we could have explained away some of that due to coaching and what have you, but we never should have doubted the upside because that upside was never impacted by what we saw his rookie season. Uh, let's keep talking about this in the early off season. Like I, I want to, I'm not necessarily satisfied with let's throw out the rookie year for quarterbacks. I know that's not what you're saying, Trey, but I think like it, it just merits a longer conversation and kind of us revisiting throughout the off season, especially as we're getting a couple of, you know, highly touted quarterbacks in this next class. You know, the, the, the hard thing is that sometimes it, it, you really just have to play it case by case and, yeah. and it's sure. just difficult to sift through what 
is important and what isn't. And my takeaway is like literally if something's glaringly obvious, like again, the Urban Meyer debacle, like you have to be just willing to accept that that is the main reason. At least bet on it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, be willing to bet on it. Right. I don't know, Mitch. I think everything should be aggregated (laughs) and we should make no case by case calls. All right, uh, moving on to our second topic of the second half. Let's move to a different quarterback, Dak Prescott. Uh, We talked about the backfield earlier in the episode, but Dak Prescott, he's been doing pretty well for fantasy since he came back from that hand injury. He definitely helped you in your semifinal if you had him. He was essentially either quarterback one or quarterback two, depending on your scoring. But I have been thinking about him a lot as a dynasty asset recently, and it's partially just like for a stupid reason, because like as I'm watching these games, he's thrown some mind numbing interceptions in the past few weeks, like like interceptions where it's like, what are you seeing, Dak? But he's turning 30 in July. He's a borderline quarterback one on keep trade cut a long history of quarterback one production as a fantasy asset. So I just wanted to ask y'all what your thoughts were on Dak at his current value as a dynasty player like Mitch, what are you thinking here? Well, it kind of depends on your team build, and I'm not looking my way out of this one, but if you can afford to get a top-five quarterback by using Dak Prescott to trade up and get him, that's kind of what I would do if I had Dak. But, you know, it really just it depends because Dak also plays on a really high-powered offense and can put up a lot of fantasy points. And 30 years old in quarterback years really isn't very old and i mean who's to say this is gonna stop anytime soon i mean he he could have three four five quarterback one seasons left in him and a lot of these rookies as we've seen might not pan out as well as we'd hoped so dak is going to be money in the bank um and if you got a strong team yeah he might anchor that team so really it depends my my fear with Dak Prescott Trey in the preseason was like, is he just fancy Kirk Cousins? Well, and he's kind of been fancy Kirk Cousins this year. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if he's fancy Kirk Cousins, man. I think he's just like Kirk Cousins, but five years younger at this point. Like he is younger. So yeah. I mean, right now he's averaging seventeen point six points per game on the year. That's uh, good for QB thirteen. That's his lowest mark. 17.6 points per game back since going back to his second year in the league back in 2017 when he had 17.1. So this is definitely a down year for Dak. Obviously he's not running anymore. Right. So I think the Kirk cousins comp is like totally fine, you know? So, and because of that, because he's not running, you're, you're going to get more value for Dak Prescott. If your league has like a six point passing touchdown rule or whatever, because he's not a threat to run it. Um, and yeah, maybe you could trade him for Kirk Cousins in an early second and you add, you know, that draft capital back into your team. But you also got to recognize that Cousins is five years older than Dak. So I think there's reasons to believe that it'll get a little bit better than what we've seen. But this is probably just what Dak Prescott's going to be consistently going forward is a low end QB one, maybe high end QB two in his bad years. So I think he's more of a hold than a, a strong sell. Mitch, give me a give me Kirk Cousins and any first. That includes 2025 for 
for Dak Prescott. What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'd be I'd be looking to try and upgrade my quarterback situation with Dak, like Dak plus uh, a two or Dak plus a one. If I can do Dak plus a one for like Burrow, probably not. Um, Herbert? Herbert, maybe. After yep. the down season, do it. Like if I, I feel like Dak is a really good quarterback to pivot off of, but if you can't get it done, I'm also absolutely fine with holding because, like I said, he's he's going to be fine for the next couple of years. There's there's no reason that the Cowboys move on from him, and they have a good offense. So, all right. Well, let's move on to our next topic here, and I I think y'all are going to notice a theme here. Like the topics that I chose. I am legitimately curious y'all's thoughts. Like I don't have that firm of an opinion here. So the next one, Cam Akers, he exploded against the hapless, and I mean hapless Denver Broncos for 35 PPR points. That means he's probably got one of the best advance rates in best ball tournaments now, which is insane, Cam Akers. This was my reputation running back, and I, I don't feel great about that. Like My reputation running back call was basically because I was with consensus, and I went with Cam Akers because I thought he had workhorse potential on an elite offense. One, the offense didn't turn out to be elite, and two, he didn't have workhorse volume until this last week so how do we contextualize this as ostensibly smart dynasty managers trey ostensibly (laughs) that's uh doing a lot of work there i used that word to sound smart yeah right right so i'll I'll dumb it down a little bit then um i think you have to ask if or you have to ask yourself if he's going to be the lead back week one of next year or not you know because based on what we've seen I think there's enough reason to believe that he does win that job week one next year because oh, you know, the, the Rams don't have a ton of picks, right? So it's not like they're going to use like a high uh, draft pick on a running back to bring in somebody that way. And they'll probably bring in somebody in free agency. So like, yeah, that'll hurt his value, but he's got the advantage of already being in that system and, you know, finishing the year hot now. So I think he wins that job again. He's probably a decent value as running back 34 right now on keep trade cut. Like obviously you don't bring him into a contending roster expecting him to be a weekly starter, you know, but I think I'm fine bringing him in as a depth running back because if he wins that job and he's a starting running back week one next year, like yeah, running back 34 is probably too low. No, man. No, I'm, I'm so out on cam Akers. Uh, this is just, this is what you needed if you were hanging on to him to to make a move in the offseason. But, uh, but Mitch, why why are you out on Cam Akers? After after everything we've seen and after uh, all we've been through. After Trey. all we've been through. <laughs> he just he just had three touchdowns last week. He had one yeah, he had one game against the Broncos just falling apart. I just I I cannot believe that He's just figured it out and, and and righted his ship and 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 now Cam Akers is back. Like like no, we we've always known he's he's had like some ability. Like he's he's fine sometimes, but most of the time he's bad and like he's Yeah, I mean Cam Akers, he's not gonna make anybody miss. You know, he's a physical running back that's got some speed to him. He is only twenty-three, you know, he's got plenty of runway left. I mean, let me ask you all this because I'm looking at Keep Trade Cut right now. 
Cam Akers or in Superflex, Russell Wilson. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Drop them both. He's, Russell Wilson is currently behind Cam Akers on Keep Trading. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> I mean, it's a quarterback in a super flex league and yeah, that's a smash trade there. Um, and that's just for positional, uh, valuations. Right. Um, I don't know, like who else is going to that range besides Russ? Um, let's see. Devin Singletary. Yeah. Give me Singletary on his Singletary on his last year of that deal. The rookie deal in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah man. I t- just take them both out of whatever situation you want. Yeah, I mean, neither okay. one of those guys are going to be starters in your flex spot. So they're very similar type players. Uh, Singletary in a better temporary situation. Kadarius Tony, Tony Acres. <laughs> okay. What about a guy we talked about earlier, Isaiah Pacheco? Uh, Pacheco. Yeah, I think right. I would take Pacheco too. Uh, okay. But I mean, that's a good. That's a good like nine running back spots ahead of him. But I, I, it's just interesting. Acres yeah. is going to be on none of my startups. Or okay. uh, yeah, just it's it's right. not good, guys. Don't but, do it. But what don't don't do is, this again. You're saying is because doing this he, all over again because he didn't get playing time during the year. Like, I mean, he's he's now getting the playing time now. You know, like, so are you not? Just, are you just going to ignore the fact that he had like these pop weeks at the end of the season when uh, you know they're bringing in Baker Mayfield? Like, the O line is actually looking functional again. Look, man. If if this is, I, I'll rewatch this game, but um. Yeah, I've I've seen the rest of his work this season, and it has looked very unimpressive. So I, I'm I'm curious to see what he did differently. I'm yeah. I'm anxious to watch. Mitch has been out on Cam Akers since he was a rookie, uh, so you know this is not surprising to me. All but right. the price is the price is like a high third based on what I'm hearing. So like this is you're not paying a premium for the dude anymore. Okay, all right. My final topic of this podcast, I know Mitch has got a couple for us, but let me ask y'all about this player, TJ Hawkinson. He had his second hawk explosion of the year. I don't know why every time he has a big game, I want to call it a hawk explosion. It just sounds good. But he's he's now the tight end two overall, as well as the tight end two in points per game in PPR. That's at 13.3 points per game. Tight end is a wasteland. Delete it from your league. Anyways, 25 years old. He's a prime extension candidate this offseason with his new team in Minnesota. Mitch, are we buying TJ Hawkinson at tight end four in Dynasty? So if Dak Prescott is fancy Kirk Cousins, does that make TJ Hawkinson fancy Dalton Schultz? (laughs) Except for the first round draft capital and the elite athleticism, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so um, half of his yards coming after the catch. So the answer was no. So uh, TJ Hawkinson, I I think we have to buy him, guys. I really do. I you know one hawk explosion, fool me, fool me. Then <laughs> two two hawk explosions. I'm I'm all in. Give you give you that hawk. Giggity giggity goo. Yeah, I I I think that he's capable of doing this in the offense with Justin Jefferson. I mean, this is a I, they traded for him, and I, I don't see any reason to to back off now. So um, we're we're looking for the guys that are going to come after Kelsey and Kittle as these guys get old. And Hawkinson looks like he might be in line to be that next guy. So uh, what's his price now, Tarek? He's like a late twenty twenty three first, 
slash guys like Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, that range. Trey, how does that strike you? I I think this is the only thing. If it's the only piece missing from your contending roster going into next year, like there's an argument to be made. But um, I mean, at that price, I'd say let somebody else pay the premium, you know, because then you could go and get somebody like Andrews or Kelsey potentially like, I don't know. It, it just seems like I you're building in a lot of projection there and we've only seen splash weeks. We've never seen like consistent production over a full season before, you know? I don't know, man. He's he's a receiving tight end though, and he's he's definitely eating up a good amount of target share since he moved to Minnesota. Like surprisingly, in my opinion, like he's gotten a decent amount of targets. Um, I, I mean, like even when he hasn't had the explosion weeks, which I think he had one in Detroit, and now he's got one here in Minnesota. Since he went over to Minnesota, he's had a couple of like nine target games, etc. So. I don't know. I I'm I looking to buy tight end two points per game on the year. That looks pretty good. But then you see it's only thirteen point three. Yeah, <laughs> PPR it's not points. a like huge a, like they're, they're, lineup advantage. How old is he though? Kelsey. He's like what? 20, he's twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, I mean, this is like breakout time, dude. Like next year, it, I I like this. I like him for next year. I I'm I'm gonna be looking for him in startups. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll be interested to see where his startup price you know bakes out. I think early if if keep trade cut right now with you know the Traylon burks the michael pittmans the marquise browns are in his neighborhood in startups the dalvin cooks the dj moores i mean that's probably right where i draw the line like dj moore or tj hawkinson it's close but yeah i I, i'll be interested that's one we're gonna have to track because i don't have a a firm take on it all right, Mitch, close us out with a, a few more guys that we should talk about here. Yeah, just got a couple quick ones. Uh, Derek Henry, I'm seeing a lot of him in the finals here, and he's had another monster season, but he's turning 29 in a week. So happy birthday to the king. Uh, he's running back 16 on keep trade cut, though, and uh, he'll definitely be a cut candidate or a sell candidate, I should say, for uh, for a lot of squads in this offseason trying to rebuild. So... I just kind of wanted to challenge you guys to zag here, and uh, I, I'm thinking that he's going to be a buy in the offseason. I think he's one of those anomalies that just keeps on going till he's 32. Um, and a guy I brought up earlier, James Cook, and a, and a two, or maybe even our guy Chad White, and that's Rashad White for the Buccaneers and a two. Chad. Uh, yeah, Chad. Uh, but yeah, guys, I... I don't know. Is this the Homer and me, or can you can you talk me out of this, or do you do you think we're just gonna keep being wrong about Henry? Well, I I think th- at that price, like that's a, definitely a good deal for a contender. So I don't know about keep being wrong. I think you know what he's done this year is kind of what we expected, and um, you know I, it's just people wanting to be a year early rather than a year late on these aging running backs, right? So. If you've got a really strong contender going into next season, I think he's a fine add for a contending roster, especially because he's probably going to be one of the cheapest running backs in Dynasty that's realistically a top six RB uh, going into redraft uh, leagues next year. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you're a real, real legit contender, because there's obviously a lot of risk that comes with adding a running back that age, like... I, I mean, look at Mark Ingram right now, right? Currently 33 years old in his 12th season in the league. Like, 
that is the future that's coming for Derrick Henry. And it's it's coming sooner than we want to admit. But until then, yeah, I mean, keep riding this top five, top six production at the position. Tarek, can you do it? 29 years old. Yeah, like Trey said, if if I'm a contender and it's Rashad White in a second, yeah, I'm doing that. If it's James Cook in a second, absolutely, I'm doing that. Um, what is the most you would pay? If I'm a contender, the most I would pay is a late 2023 first, but I want like an early third or late second back. I like it. I like that's it. the most I would pay for Derrick Henry. But yeah, I mean, somehow it's funny when you said like he's having another great year. I was like, is he? I like <laughs> looked it up. Derrick Henry like somehow has a quiet 1400 yards and 13 touchdowns this year i, I think i'm just an idiot like i didn't you realize him like, on none he, of your teams apparently i have him on yeah. none of my teams and i specifically mentioned i'm seeing a lot of him in the finals dude i'm like dude what the fuck yeah, yeah he's, I, I, had he's gonna one, be a, I had him on one dynasty squad going into the season and i traded him away before the season started for saquon barkley and i was like feeling really good about that the first couple months and now it's looking like henry would have been you know better for this playoff run potentially yeah yeah, I mean, he's going to be a hyper-affordable contending piece into 2023, so I don't mind it. All right, uh, last last thing, quick one. Scale 0% to 100%. How confident are you that Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next season? Trey? I, I am 80% confident. So not, yeah, I was going to say somewhere between 80 and 90%. I am not quite a hundred percent. I think 80% just because they really like Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, with the, the injury issues he's had, I don't think Brock Purdy is a threat. I think they want to see what they got in Lance at week one. Next J- year. Jimmy G's contract is expiring. Yeah. Too. He's, he's a free agent. So yeah, 80 to 90% is aggressive given what they've seen out of Brock Purdy, what Jimmy G has been able to do for them you know, in relief of Trey Lance after the injury. But yeah, I just agree with Trey here. And it's very clear, uh, me and Trey, the only team that we co-manage, we recently bought Trey Lance. So yeah, we're we're in. But Mitch, what do you think? I, I'm getting a little nervous, guys. Uh, like, I, I wanted to ask you guys this to boost my confidence because I, I recently made a trade for Trey Lance. And the more I think about this, the, the more I realize that the, the 49ers are pretty good with... Uh, whoever they plug in at quarterback. So kind of similar to to running backs, I, I, I'm worried that the longer Trey Lance takes to develop, whether that's because of injury or he whatever. He's got an opportunity to develop. Right, it, yeah. and so like if they might just not have the time to do it, and I'm just getting a little nervous. So I, I'm sitting at about 50, 50%. I'm, I'm like 50-50, and, uh, but I think that's going to open up I can't be the only one. I think that's going to open up uh, a good buy opportunity for the people that are in if it works out. I'll say this. I mean, with the injury, obviously that takes away all his value insulation, right? So he's going to get one more shot for the job and that's going to be it, you know? So I think most likely he is the week one starter and you're, you are right. Like the San Francisco has a championship window that is wide open right now. So if he comes in and he can't outplay jimmy garoppolo or brock purdy then he deserves to lose that job you know so there's definitely some risk involved with lance but you know they they got to find out what they have in the guy after spending you know the third overall pick on him yeah it's just it's it's tough if it's not gonna be trey lance i hope that 
Nick Mullins comes back. You and Nick Mullins, man. You love Nick Mullins. Nick Big Dick Mullins. That name's you know taken. every everybody talking about rocked up Brock. Nick Big Dick Foles. No, it's Nick Mullins. <laughs> Nick who is Big Dick Foles. You heard it here first. <laughs> bro- broke. I don't. Th- I think I'm like the 800th person to say that about Nick Foles. Nah, dude, is Big Nick. Oh, look, Jesus there, Christ, there's I a can't... meme to be made out of this. Let me. Uh, Dick, I'll, I'll workshop that with you offline here, bud. Look, I'll leave the listeners with this. Nick Mullins, base. He broke all of Brett Favre's records at southern miss or whatever it is yeah so he's basically brett Favre without the racist misappropriation of public funds all right so nick mullins come back to san francisco win a super bowl greatest quarterback of all time that's gonna do it the show there yeah yeah let's end the show with nick mullins greatest quarterback of all time that's you know, go that that take probably gonna go about as well as you know half of my reputation players. Wasn't so. it massive, Dick Nick Mullins? Yeah, I mean, you know, w- well endowed. W- however, you want to say it. That's gonna do it for TLG episode seventy eight. We thank y'all for hanging with us through this eighty plus minute podcast. Had a great time. Looking forward to talking to y'all soon. Good luck, everyone, in your dynasty championships. If you're not in any, well, that sucks to suck, but. Have a good one. Good luck out there and happy <laughs> Festivus. No, nobody's not in there. They listen to this show. Yeah, if you listen to this show and you're not in your dynasty championship, I guess just keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Nick Mullins is still available on your waiver wire. No, I